You love the lightning bolt. And you love the team colors. But if you love the victory stripes, you love lightning hockey. Yes, sir! Past, present, and future. This is Victory Stripes with your host, Bobby Fitton, on Lightning Power Play. Welcome to Victory Stripes here on Lightning Power Play. Bobby Fenton with you. It's been a long week. Not a ton of hockey, but the hockey we got to cap off last weekend on Friday and Saturday afternoons was the best we've probably seen all season long. And it's amazing how two little games can give you a completely new lease on life. We're going to talk about all that today on the show. And I'm going to reinforce some points I've been making all season long so far. And, of course, we're going to look ahead to getting back in the groove. I'll tell you, like, we do the show every week. And it comes on this station on Thursdays. And this time, I mean, it's only been a week since the last show, but I feel like I haven't done a show in, like, a month. And the reason is because, you know, the schedule got all messed up with the Sweden trip. You know, they went a long time without having any games leading up to it, then played the two games on back-to-back days, and then now we've had another long layoff since then. And if you look back to the trip to New York, where they played the Rangers, then the Devils, then the Islanders, I mean, that was only two games ago, you know, before the Sabres games, and yet that feels like it was like a month ago now, which is a good thing. And so they go to Sweden, and this trip, and we're going to talk about it today, I mean, this trip seems like it was very, very good for the team, both on and off the ice, and it seems like it was just what the doctor ordered after some of the crap they've been going through in the early part of the season. I think getting away was nice. And I say that not because I was there or anything like that, but listening almost to a man, all the quotes you're hearing from the locker room, coaches, players, everybody, it seems like a lot of progress got made on this trip. So we'll talk about that today. If you want to email me, as always, I love hearing from you guys. My email address is bobbygameday at yahoo.com. That's B-O-B-B-Y-G-A-M-E-D-A-Y. And on Twitter, same thing, bobbygameday. And so... Lightning play tonight back at home against the Rangers. They're on a little two-game mini homestand here. They'll take on the Rangers tonight at 7, and then they'll take on Winnipeg. A little matinee hockey again this weekend, 4 p.m. So if you have kids, I think Saturday's a good one to shoot for. I know a lot of times people with kids, and there's plenty of kids at Lightning games. I mean, I see them all the time when I'm at the games. But especially if you have younger ones, like I have an 8-year-old and a 4-year-old, and I'm not going to be very likely to take them to a 7 o'clock game, certainly not on a weeknight. On a weekend, I probably would, yeah, every here and there, every once in a while. But you have a 4 o'clock first drop of the puck like that on Saturday, and then that's kind of open to everybody. So, you know, we'll, we'll look ahead to those two games as well. But looking at what happened with the Lightning here in Stockholm, and we talked about on last week's show how, because that show was the night before the games, or the day before the games, and how they had been in Sweden for a few days at that point. They'd gotten together to watch football on Sunday at a place in Sweden that Hedman knew about that would have a game and just generally spent a lot of time together off the ice. And that Lightning don't have a ton of new guys, but they have a few. They have Shattenkirk, McElhenney, Maroon, 
And they lost some guys, not just, you know, like guys like Strawman, like guys who, I don't want to say the term glue guys, but, you know, that type of thing. Like guys who were not just maybe necessarily stud players, but guys who were veterans and who had been around this team for a long time. So there is a little bit of a process, I would imagine, to that. And to see them get the chance to have a trip like this, it seems like it was, I mean, if you're going to do something like this, and when you schedule these things, it's weeks or, or not weeks, I should say years in advance or at least months in advance. You know, you can't obviously tell what your team's going to be like when you finally do it, but I think if you had given the Lightning, like, five minutes notice on this trip, like, if you had gone to them in New York and said, hey, you guys want to do a week in Sweden and just play a couple games but, like, have, like, five days off before the two games and then another five days off after, you want to do that? I think without even knowing anything in advance, they would have said, oh, yeah, yeah, let's do Like, they needed to get the hell out of Dodge for a little while. Especially after the way that Islanders game went and that whole New York trip and... Just everything that's been going on. So let's say it again. I mean, I've said it over and over and over. I'm going to keep saying it over and over and over as long as we're doing this show. We are still in the part of the year and will be for some time where you can't take anything with much more than a grain of salt. And obviously, we're going to take the good things and overemphasize those, just like we've been overemphasizing the bad things. And I don't think we should do either. We need to put, keep pretty even keel. I think this team, like I said last week with um, when I read Eric Erlinson's tweet, talking about how they're not necessarily, you know, it's not that they're not trying to win games, but they're trying to build and develop good habits, and there's a process to that. It doesn't always lend itself to just winning 62 games the way they did last year because they didn't have good habits. They were just, you know, they were out-athleting people. And so... They're going to be okay. Now, Buffalo is a good team. Buffalo is so far, you know, going into that series ahead of the Lightning. And, in fact, they still are ahead of the Lightning by a couple points, even though they have a couple games in hand. But if you look at the Lightning, and this is some of the numbers coming out of that two-game miniseries there, that's now five in a row the Lightning have won over Buffalo. They are 21-4-2 against the Sabres since the 2013-2014 season started. So that's going back a long way now. It's going back six years. And it's just a good team for the Lightning to play over a long period of time. If you look at what happened in these two games, both of them, the Lightning won, but both of them, more importantly than that, and, and Buffalo got the first goal on Saturday. But even so, that was a full 120 minutes of hockey where I felt comfortable the entire time. Like, it never felt like the Lightning were in any danger. Even when they got behind a goal on Saturday, it was okay, and they just, it felt like the old Lightning, and even other parts of this year felt that way too, but it felt like the old Lightning where you're like, yeah, they got this. You know, like you knew they were going to just figure it out, and they did. It wasn't all perfect. I mean, McElhaney on Saturday faced, what was it, 43 shots, and now he's played five games for the Lightning, and he's faced 40-plus shots in four of them. So the Lightning style is still lending itself to allowing a lot of rubber to be thrown at their goaltender, but, you know... If you look at the whole thing, the penalty kill for for four of those two games in Buffalo or against Buffalo, and three power play goals over the two days, the fourth line was awesome. That that's one thing I want to talk about today was what we saw from Yanni Gord, Cedric Paquette, and Maroon with uh, you know three goals there and then in the two games and you know those guys really. It's nice when you have someone like Yanni Gord first of all playing on your fourth line. That shows how much firepower the Lightning still have, but. You know, to see the way Maroon has contributed, Paquette has done a great job. You know, he was hurt earlier in the preseason, but he's come in and 
and helped anchor that fourth line, and it's really good to see. And if they get contributions like that from that far down, you know, the depth of scoring that we're talking about all the time, then they're going to be just fine. There was, you know, a little bit of a questionable play by Nikita Kucherov with the hit he had uh, against the Buffalo player, and I felt like we should at least bring it up on the show today because if we're going to call out when people like Brad Marshan and other types, you know, Tom Wilson, all those guys, you know, whether it's sports talk radio or this show or whatever, we like to jump all over them. You know, let's at least be fair. I thought that hit, I don't think it was terrible. I don't think Kucherov had bad intentions, but I thought it was avoidable and unnecessary. And so Buffalo got a little miffed about that. And, you know, it's not going to result in anything for Kucherov. But either way, here's where we're at right now. They've played 15 games. Now, again, because of this Sweden trip, Obviously, you've got a lot of uh, off days that they've had that other teams haven't had. So they've played the fewest games in the league at 15. There's a few teams that have played 16, but most have played 17 and even 18, 19, or 20. The reason I'm getting into all this is because, you know, even though they've only played not even a quarter of their schedule yet, it feels like a lot's happened so far, right? So what do you think has changed from the beginning of the season to now? Let's think about that for a second. One thing I always like to do, because I do like to make a bet every now and again. I don't bet on hockey very much, but my point is I believe in odds and I believe in numbers. And of course, whatever the odds are on something don't mean that's how it's going to go. Favorites don't always win, all that whole thing. I know that, but I do think it's interesting when you look at what people think and that's all that odds are, really. They're just based on what people think. You know, casinos or sports books will release opening odds, and those are just a prediction on what people will think. But if it proves that people think something else, they'll move the odds until they match that. So looking at the standings here right now, Tampa Bay Lightning, again, they have games in hand on almost everybody. They have games in hand on everybody, and sometimes they have like four or five even games in hand. But the point is, they are currently in sixth place in the Atlantic Division. Now, if you would just want to go in terms of a playoff spot, it looks like 22 gets you in right now. So, Lightning are at 18 points. They're four points back of a playoff spot out of the playoffs as of right now. This means nothing, by the way. I'm just giving you a frame of reference in case you don't have the standings right in front of you. So, who do you think, if I were to go to one of these sportsbook websites and go to the futures page and say, who are the favorites to win the Stanley Cup right now? Who do you think those teams are? And I'll wait a second so you can get it. And again, some of you may follow just the lighting. Some of you may follow the National Hockey League overall. And you may not, uh, you know, some of you may know more than others about the rest of the league. But just take a guess. The Lightning are not the favorite, by the way, which they were to start the season. But they are actually tied for the third choice. The favorites right now, and it's almost so small of a difference that there's co-favorites for all four of these teams, but the favorites right now at 9-1 to one odds each are the Boston Bruins, who are in first in the Atlantic Division and clear by three points, and the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are in fourth, four points behind the Bruins, and occupying the last playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. Those are the two favorites, and they're 9-1. to one. Then you've got two more teams at 9.5-1. to one. And again, folks, think about what I'm saying if you have the standings in front of you. 
This doesn't match the standings because nobody cares about the standings right now, or people that are trying to predict these things don't care. So Leafs and Bruins tied for the favorites to win the Stanley Cup at 9-1 to one each. The Lightning are 9.5-1, to one, and the Vegas Golden Knights are 9.5-1. to one. The two teams behind the two favorites, and again, just barely, by 50 cents. So there's really four co-favorites, the Lightning, the Leafs, the Knights, and the Bruins. Okay, And again, if you look at the standings right now, Bruins are the only one of those teams who's in first place. You've got the Maple Leafs in fourth place and holding the last spot in their uh, conference in the playoffs. Lightning are out of it, and Vegas is out of it. Vegas is in fifth place in the Pacific, and they've played 19 games, and they're five points behind the Oilers, and they're 3-4-3 three, and three in their last 10. And nobody cares. So you see the theme here that I'm getting at? Nobody cares about anything that's happened so far when it comes to betting actual money and the way things are going to look down the road. We have no idea what they'll look like. I'm not saying that. My point is... You've got the Lightning, the Leafs, the Knights, and the Bruins. And it's kind of crazy that you have three of the top four spots taken up by teams in the Lightning's division, including the Lightning. So that's going to be tough. You know, Toronto and Boston have been good for a while, and Toronto's been getting better, and neither of them is going to go anywhere, and that was going to be true even if the Lightning had gotten off to a red-hot start. Of course, they're off to a little bit of a slower start, these last two games notwithstanding. Another interesting thing. You got to go all the way down another couple of spots, not terribly far, but at ten to one, which is I think right now the yeah the fifth choice to find the Washington Capitals, and they've been crazy good to start the season off. What do they have? Thirty? Yeah, they got thirty points. They're eight. They've won eight of their last ten. They've gotten points in ten of their last ten. The Islanders are red hot. Have won nine of ten and are still five points behind the Washington Capitals which is crazy when you think about it, but it just goes to show, again, you know, the people that make these, and a lot of this is public money, but there's sharps too, people that know what they're doing, and they haven't deviated much, even despite what's happened with the Lightning start. Maybe Boston's been bumped up a little bit, maybe the Lightning have been dropped back a little bit, but overall, as far as the money coming in on what the big boys are going to be doing in April, May, and hopefully June for the Lightning, very little has changed in that department. Email me if you want to, bobbygameday at yahoo.com. On Twitter, you can get me at bobbygameday. We're going to take a break, come back on the other side. I want to talk about a couple things. The NHL GMs are meeting next week in Toronto. Some things with replay are going to be on the docket there. There's been a couple of controversial replay decisions that have, uh, I don't want to say upset a lot of people, but have maybe drawn the notice of people that maybe there's something they can do differently. And of course, like most other things, with replay, in any sport, whether it's hockey or football or baseball, replay itself, I believe, is very good. always want to get stuff right, and I believe it's much maligned, not because replay itself is bad, but because it is implemented so poorly. So we'll talk about that. I want to talk about a little bit about the Don Cherry thing at the end of the show. I'm not going to get political or anything. Don't worry, but I do have a couple things I want to say on that and more. So like I said, get in touch with me if you want to. BobbyGameDay at Yahoo.com is the email address. On Twitter, you can find me at Bobby Game Day. This is Victory Stripes, and we'll be back here on Lightning Power Play. Wave your arms in the air like you care. I don't know what we're yelling about! About your Victory Stripes. Loud noises! This is Victory Stripes with Bobby Fenton on Lightning Power Play. Welcome back to Victory Stripes here on Lightning Power Play. Bobby Fenton with you. Middle segment of the show. Lightning taking on the New York Rangers tonight. 7 p.m. drop of the puck at Amelie Arena. First time back home in a while. And let's hope things go better than the last time these two teams played, which was 
a couple weeks ago now when they were in New York and the Rangers stormed to a 4-1 win in the front end of back-to-back games. The Lightning play, they would go on to beat New Jersey the next night. By the way, beating Buffalo on Saturday, it was the uh, third set of back-to-back games the Lightning have had already this year. And there are actually two wins and one overtime loss in the three second halves of the back-to-back games. So not too bad there. And tonight, of course, getting back to normal. Then Winnipeg is in town on Saturday for a 4 p.m. drop of the puck. So I want to talk about something going on right now. And nothing's going to be imminent here as far as change being made. But the GMs are meeting next week in Toronto. And they meet from time to time. And one of the things that's going to be talked about is hockey's instant replay system. There's been a couple of things that have happened here Lately, uh, there was a game between, I think it was the Avalanche and the Stars, yeah. And the Avalanche, early in the game, the Stars scored. And Avalanche coach Jared Bednar challenged because he thought it was goaltender interference, or he was hoping for goaltender interference. So they reviewed it, the goal did stand, and because of the missed challenge... Colorado had a minor penalty, so it was a Dallas power play. Which, by the way, that right there is a terrible rule. And we're going to get into it in a minute how the whole challenge system is done to begin with. But the idea that you give a power play to the team after the coach has a failed challenge, you know, at least in the NFL, which is also a dumb replay system, but at least they just dock you a timeout. I know they don't have timeouts in hockey, but you also lose the ability to challenge another one or whatever it is. So anyway, it happened again in the later on in the game, another Dallas goal. This time, the co- Colorado coaching staff challenged because the guy broke his stick before he scored, and they thought he was going to get penalized for breaking his stick, and he scored anyway. And it was kind of a bang-bang play because the stick broke, and then he scored. I didn't see it. The point of it is, if you do it again after you miss one challenge, and then you lose and you get a penalty for that, you know, delay a game or whatever, same thing in the next one, only now it's a double minor for having it happen twice. So this time, Dallas went on a four-minute power play, and the Avalanche had to kill off the double minor as the result of that. And so a lot of people feel like it was kind of embarrassing for the coach, even though he didn't really do anything wrong, and he was kind of right to at least challenge the second one, blah, blah, blah. Point is, if you go back to how this all started, and a lot of you might remember it, it was the 2015 playoffs Lightning were playing Montreal in a series they won easily on the way to the Stanley Cup final. But in one, I think it was game three. Was it game? I think it was game three. Might have been game four, but I think they won game three, right? And then Montreal won game four to make it 3-1 and avoid the sweep. Anyway, Nikita Kucherov scored in double overtime. The Lightning already had a 2-0 series lead. And... The goal ended up, if you look back at the replay, Kucherov was well offside. And he didn't score right off the play, but the play was in the zone for a little while after the entry. Lightning ended up scoring on that play, though, and it would have all come back if they had reviewed the offside, which they didn't They didn't have that back then. Lightning won the game. And again, I don't think it was a pivotal goal in that series, but it could have been. It would have been 2-1 to one maybe if Montreal scores instead of the Lightning, and we have no idea how anything would have happened. The point is... That sparked some controversy, and it kind of started the uh, to lead the charge of having replay review. And then it, it happened before that. In the 2014 Stanley Cup final the year before that, there was a couple goals that should have been disallowed. So anyway, 
they added the coaches challenge prior to the start of the 2015-2016 season and back then it was pretty bare bones goals on an offside play goalie interference you know red line stuff blah 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 so the point is you guys watch hockey on tv at home right and even if not hockey which if you're listening to this you probably do watch hockey but you watch hockey on tv at home you watch football maybe on tv at home you might watch any number of sports so how quickly tell me this how quickly when you're watching at home just some schmuck on your couch you're not a trained referee you're not in an actual booth with you know any type of you know you don't have a headset you're not in communication with the league office you're just sitting on your couch watching on TV how often are you pretty sure of what just happened and how long until you are cuz usually again I'm not saying I'm an expert or anything like this, but I'll be watching at home. And it could be the Sun Sports broadcast. It could be NBC Sports Network. It could be any of them. I don't care who it is. And something controversial happens, whether it's a goal that maybe was something that we don't know, maybe it wasn't offside, blah, blah, blah. And they just give me a couple of those initial replays. I'm usually, after like two replays, I'm like, oh, yep, here's what happened. That was onside. That was offside. You know, that puck crossed the line. That puck did It doesn't take that long, right? So... Why do we have this idiotic system, and this goes for the NFL too, where a coach has to hold the game up, wait for some of his own video guys, because somebody's got to do this, who are watching like a televised broadcast, or at least have access to televised highlights, see what they think, then they can tell the coach, okay, yeah, you should challenge us or not. Why don't we just have a referee who's watching the game on TV, just like you and me are, and he's got a radio, and if he notices anything, it'll take less than 20 seconds because, again, that's how little time it usually takes me at home just watching on TV to realize what actually happened thanks to the magnificent TV coverage we have. And the tape guys around North America, I salute all of you. You're integral. Tape guys are the guys who make the replays happen in the truck. Producers cue them up. Directors roll them. But tape guys actually make them. They yeah, actually say, hey, here's the... So... We have all this, is what I'm saying. Like, this is good stuff, and we have it. And let's say you had a referee up in the replay booth at the game, and you don't even need to involve the on-ice official as far as him watching anything, but he can have an earpiece, or you can even radio it down to the guy at the scorer's table, and he can tell the referee. And the guy's watching the game, and anytime there's any goal or any play that's, you know, a little bit weird, and, you know, Doc Emmerich and... You know, Eddie Olzik on the telecast on NBC Sports Network. Oh, yeah, let's take a look at this. Oh, man, here's what happened. And you see that yourself right there, that guy on that referee, that whoever that is in the arena. I call him the couch referee. Let's call him the couch referee. He can just buzz down and say, oh, yeah, hey, that was a goal. Or, oh, yeah, hey, that was offside. And it's done. All right, less than a minute, maybe a minute and a half at the most, and that's it. So no, the, no, no stoppages of the game, no challenges, no penalties for missing challenges, no strategic. See, here's the problem. Same with the NFL. You have to get strategic with this now. Is this worth challenging? Should I do this or that? Just get it right quickly and move on. It's so easy to get it done quickly. That's the problem. The reason I hear all these people on Twitter and people I know, every time there's a bad replay review or every time a game gets held up for like the fifth time in like seven plays, whether it's in a football game or something like that, and people go, you know what, 
Replay just doesn't work. I'm sick of it. We need to go back to the way it was. This is awful. And you know what? They're half right. It is awful. But it doesn't mean we throw the baby out with the bathwater and get rid of replay. Don't be, like, the, yeah, don't get ahead of yourself and just cut your nose off to spite your face. We just need to change the way we do replay. And again, I'm sitting here at home, and I'm like, I already know what happened. Why are they taking so long to figure out what happened? And I figured it out. I got a 65-inch TV hanging on my wall, and I've got the TV guys showing me 80 different replays in the first 15 seconds. And again, they're very good at doing that. And meanwhile, this referee's skating over and holding this little, you know, it's the size of a, what am I thinking of, like a tablet? Not even the, the, not even that big sometimes. And the guy's got this little tablet, and he's holding it, like, in his hands, and there's lights glaring, and there's noise in the arena, and people are yelling at him. And he's trying to figure out what the hell just happened on this little tiny screen. And then both the team captains are probably standing, like, five inches from him, trying to chirp at him and, and give him all kinds of crap. Just have a guy. You can even put an actual couch in there if you want to. And have, like, two or three guys have him just sit in one of the booths. and Or you can do it in the league office in New York if you want, whatever, wherever it is. But it's just a guy watching the telecast. And even with that, he can say, oh, yep, there we go. That's what it is. On almost any call. And if you can't in the first minute, then, then you just move on with it, whatever it was. And it's done. I don't understand what's so hard about it. And they make a big show of it in the arena. You know, anybody who was there, I'll, I'll never forget it. It was the 20, what year was it? Was it 2017? I think it was 2017. Because they won the, or they went to the cup finals, then they missed the playoffs the next year, then they went back to the East Finals against Pittsburgh, up 3-2 in the series, playing game six at home against Pittsburgh. We all remember it, right? And we score the first goal of the game, Jonathan drew in. Big goal. That first one was huge in that series, if you remember, and in any of those late-season playoff series. And they go back and review, and Druin's skate was like a millimeter above the blue line but not touching it or whatever it was, and they called them offside, disallowed the goal. We lose. I firmly believe the Lightning win the Stanley Cup if that goal counts. I'll, I'll go to my grave believing the Lightning win the Stanley Cup if Druin's skate is a millimeter on the ice. They get a one nothing lead. I was sitting there. I was actually I had great seats for that game. I was like in the second row. I got hooked up. I would I would never pay enough money to have seats like that. But I got hooked up, and I was right behind the Lightning bench. They were buzzing. Everybody was feeling it, man. And then I remember, it's burned into my mind. I still hear the song. I'm a huge Beatles fan, but I think of this now when I hear the song. They're reviewing the play in those you know, 90 seconds or two minutes, however long they reviewed it. And let it be was playing throughout the arena because, you know, they're telling the referee, leave the call alone, let the goal stand. And I was actually sitting so low, you know, I was sitting a couple rows off the ice for that game that I actually didn't have a great view of anything. On the other end, I was behind the lightning bench, so I had a great view of that half of the ice. But, you know, if you're too low at a hockey game, it's cool just because you'd like to be that close and see the guys playing. So I don't even care that I couldn't see. But you really can't see. Like, Like 15, 10, 15, you know, maybe 20 rows up. Between the blue lines is a great spot to be, but lower than that, you start getting hard to see all points of the ice, and you don't care, again, because you just love being close. So I didn't know what the hell was going on, and I just shrugged. I'm like, nah, I think this is probably fine. Like, we're, we're, whatever, the ha- whatever happened here, we'll get this goal. They're, they're just having a desperation challenge because they're hoping that, you know, they get lucky. And then I remember even texting my dad because I knew he was home watching it, and I texted him. I'm like, what's going on here? Are we good? Are we going to get this goal? And he's like, yeah, I'm not sure. And anyway, they disallowed it. But the point is, that was a long time. All these things are a long time. And if you have to parse a goal that tightly, 
then first of all, I think it defeats the purpose of replay. I think these are for, I don't want to say blatantly obvious calls, but ones that you should be able to sit at home again just as a regular schmuck and know exactly what happened. And if it's counter to what they actually called, then you change it. And otherwise, you leave it. I don't think that's asking too much. So this whole idea that we've got to stop the game, we have to have coaches getting all cutesy. Does he want to challenge? Should he hold on to it? Is it too risky? Well, if the call's wrong, then you know, let's get the damn call right, period. And if it's already right, then let's not waste a lot of time. But either way, don't make it harder than it is. Like We just love making stuff harder than it is. And I know the NHL's trying to keep things moving along, although pace of play is not really a problem with the NHL like it is in maybe a baseball or something like that. But still, they didn't want to mess around with this. They didn't want it to become like a, an anchor around the neck of every game. Like, oh, here we go with the replay. So they wanted it to be penal if you missed. They didn't want frivolous challenges. But I don't think you need any challenges at all. I think you can just play In fact, you don't have to stop any games. They'll buzz you if they need you to stop it. And if they don't, it's good. Every goal that happens, and, and you know, you get a few minutes, they're not a few minutes, but a little while there, it stops. They go handshake and all that. They celebrate. And in that time, they're always showing you replays on the TV broadcast. Every game is on TV now, so it's not like you have some games that wouldn't have it. And voila, problem solved, in my opinion. Instead, and these numbers are from the 2015 2016 season, there were 233 coaches' challenges. 150 of those were goaltender interference. The other 83 were for offsides plays. And then there were 10 more reviews instituted by the league. So in total, you had 243. 167 of them were lost. That equates to a win percentage of about 28%. So all these challenges, all this wasted time, they're changing a quarter of the calls. I think it should be closer to 50. Like Seriously, if we're really getting the obvious ones wrong and fixing them, it should be more than half that are changed, right? Otherwise, what would be the point of challenging? So you let, this challenge system just lends itself to not doing what it's supposed to do. And I'm, I'm not saying coaches couldn't request it, but, you know, at least just say, hey, you know, I think maybe he was offside there. They should be looking at, I mean, or, or do like the NFL does, like review every scoring chance, or not every scoring chance, every scoring play. So a coach doesn't have to worry about, do I need to challenge this or not, and everything like that. And review it just as it's like the NFL, at least they have that part right. They're already reviewing every touchdown while everybody's celebrating and everybody's running back and forth, cheerleaders, blah, blah, blah. And by the time they get lined up for the extra point, it's usually like, okay, that was good. And if they need extra time, they do stop the game. But a scoring play is taken out of the hands. And, of course, in the NHL, all the reviews are scoring plays. Review them all anyway. Like, just do it automatically. And if there's nothing to raise an eyebrow on a pretty garden-variety scoring play, then you don't even have to bother with much. But if there's anything at all that's close, whether it's offsides or anything else, you're already on top of that right when the red light goes on. And by the time it's time to drop the puck again, unless there's controversy about it, you're ready to go. And if you need a little extra time, you can take it. But have it all done through the league and have it all done through... And college football gets this right. They have maybe a few too many reviews. Like, I don't like when they review frivolous things. But college football, they'll say, hey, hold on a second. They get referees got the beeper or whatever the hell he has, you know. I don't know if it's a beeper, but it vibrates kind of like when your table's ready at Carabas or something like that. And, and he's like, oh, oh, don't snap it yet. Hang on. And they'll take an extra minute. And they get the call, and then they go. And it's not that bad. Like, to me, it's not that bad. But... Whatever they do, I hope, and I don't know if they're going to do this or not, I would like to think they would get rid of the coach's challenge altogether. I don't think it's a necessary part of 
any sport. And I think coaches have a lot more to worry about. And then they're holding the game up anyway, just waiting to see if they're going to challenge, waiting for their video guys to tell them what's what. And then the challenge takes more time. Bobby Game Day at Yahoo.com is the email address on Twitter. Get me at Bobby Game Day. We're going to have one more segment on the other side. Stay tuned. This is Victory Stripes, and we'll be back here on Lightning Power Play. Just because he has posters of Rob Zamner in his bedroom doesn't make him creepy. <clears throat> well, I, I could be wrong. Lightning Hockey. Past, present, and future. Go back to then. When? Now. Now? Now. I can't. Why? We missed it. When? Just now. This is Victory Stripes with Bobby Fenton on Lightning Power Play. Welcome back to Victory Stripes here on Lightning Power Play. Bobby Fenton with you on this Thursday. Lightning getting ready to take on the Rangers tonight at 7 p.m. And it'll be a uh, first game back in town since October the 26th. So we're looking at, I mean, how many days ago was that? Like almost three weeks ago. And, of course, they haven't played at all in any capacity since last Saturday, which was five days ago. They'll be back in action after tonight on Saturday against Winnipeg at 4 p.m. And then a little mini roadie up through St. Louis and Chicago next week, Tuesday and Thursday. Then a little lengthier three-game homestand after that, and they just kind of get back into the rhythms here. So things with that Sweden trip kind of been thrown off kilter a little bit. And it was cool. I mean... You know, to hear about all the things they did on the trip, and Joe Smith was out there covering him, Diana Neros was out there covering him for the Tampa Bay Times and, and others too, and to get some of the accounts of not just the types of practices they had, but some of the things they did off the ice and things like that, like we talked about in the first segment, I think is going to be really important for this team going forward. And I, I mean, at least I hope it is. I mean, I shouldn't say I think it will be, but judging from what I've heard about it, it, it seems like just what the doctor ordered and like we were saying before i mean a trip like this the lightning have been approached about before of course they did one in 2008 which was over 10 years ago to prague and they did that whole thing with the rangers but since then they've been approached again a couple times and julian brisebois had said that you know he didn't think they were ready there's a couple they've turned down he didn't specify how long ago or when it was or anything like that but he did say, you know, yeah, we didn't think we were in the right place. He said this time we thought we were. And that was still months ago when they agreed to this one. But I think they would have agreed to this one even a week ago because of the way things have been going and, you know, getting away from everything. Hugely beneficial in a lot of ways. And that was before they won both games. And then to go out and do that and, you know, look as good as they have in a long time doing it. I'm, I'm just going to tell all you people out there, like, this is going to happen again, okay? They're going to go back. It's not like, hey, we won these two games against Buffalo. Now we're back to the team we were last year. They're going to start rolling through everybody again. No, it'll probably be the way the weather this time of year is when it gets chilly those first couple times and you think, oh, man, finally we're over the hot weather. But then it goes back and that hot weather comes right back again. And you're like, oh, man, I thought we were done. And then it gets chilly again a few days later. Oh, yeah, all right, here we go. And, you know, people can't wait to get the fall clothing out, even though you don't really need any here in Florida. Or at least you don't need winter clothing. You need fall clothing, basically, for the winter. But then finally it does come back, and it stays. And I think that's going to happen with the Lightning. I mean, I think, I really think that that's the type of pattern they're going to go on, on undergo. You know, 
fits and starts not look great, then hey, we figured it out, yay, but then nope, there's going to be some more issues, then hey, all right, finally we're over the issue, then maybe even a few more, but then by the time this thing really gets going, and that's not for a long time, even now, I mean, we've just, I mean, barely gotten into anything that matters, and won't for some time, okay, but when it does, I think all this stuff they've been through and all the stuff they're, they're learning how to do and do differently than they have been, I, I really do think it'll pay off. I still think, I mean, look, is it better to have good players or not good players? Of course, it's better to have good players. The Lightning still have good players, okay? They have really good players. And again, that was one of the things that was demonstrated in this Sweden series, seeing them have the fourth line contribute so heavily with Yanni Gord, Cedric Paquette, and Pat Maroon. I mean, that's really a good sign, and John Cooper had glowing reviews of everything they did in this series, and, you know, again, they have all that depth, they have all these guys pretty close to the team that they had last year with a few not unimportant changes, and yet it's going differently right now, but man, I'll tell you what, They've got the same studs they've always had, and those guys are still in their prime, and I think at the end of the day, when you have guys like that, like that comes out in the wash. That shines through. BobbyGameDay at Yahoo.com is the email address. If you want to get me up on Twitter, hit me at BobbyGameDay. I wanted to talk a little bit real quick about Don Cherry, and I'm not trying to get political, but it was just something I thought I needed to bring up on the show, and... You know, I'm born and raised here in Tampa, so I'm not a hockey night in Canada guy. I didn't grow up on this stuff, and maybe some of you guys from up north are more familiar with it, of course, since I've been following the team more closely. You know, we got the Lightning when I was in middle school, and I fell in love the first time I ever went to a game at Expo Hall. I fell in love with it. And so then I became a member of the media later on and up doing radio. So I, I know what hockey night in Canada is. I know who Don Sherry is. But it wasn't like an annual, or uh, excuse me, a weekly Saturday night rite of passage or a Saturday night tradition or anything that I grew up with like it is for a lot of Canadians. So I don't think I realized how big of a deal this was. Like I heard he'd been dismissed. Of course, you know, when, if you don't know about the comments, he made some controversial comments regarding immigrants that were interpreted by different people different ways. But if you know who Don Cherry is and know his history, this was kind of just another step in the direction he kind of always wants to go and it ended up resulting in his termination mutual agreement to step down whatever you want to call it and I was pretty surprised when I heard that he was stepping down but I was even more surprised at what a big deal it was when it became known that he was stepping down because again I mean I know what hockey night in Canada means to a lot of people and I know what a big deal it is but even I didn't realize what a big deal like this was And so the only thing I'll say about the whole thing is this. Without, again, I'm not going to address the comments. I'm not going to address whether you should or should be offended about certain things regarding his comments. But I am going to address whether you should be offended about certain other things. I've heard a lot of takes on Don Sherry. And again, no matter what end of the political spectrum you're on, it doesn't matter in regards to what I'm about to say. All right? I've heard a lot of takes about him. Oh, people are overreacting. People want to use the word triggered. People want to use the word snowflake. You always hear those are the most overused and cliched terms, but they always come out whenever anything like this happens. 
people. I even had one friend of mine who said, yep, you know, like, like he was a victim saying, oh, yeah, PC took him down. It's happened to a lot of great ones in the past, and now it's happened to him. PC just took him down, like political correctness. Political correctness did not take him down, okay? Nothing triggered or snowflake-like took him down. What he said, again, just for those of you that don't know, he was ranting against people and more specifically immigrants to Canada who didn't necessarily grow up Canadian, who didn't, you know, Canada has Remembrance Day, kind of like we have Veterans Day, or actually it's closer to our Memorial Day, I should say, not remember, or not Veterans Day, but Remembrance Day, it's very similar to Memorial Day where they remember fallen soldiers who have fought and died for causes like that. Fine, okay. So anyway, they have, just like we got pins and ribbons for like everything under the sun at this point, there's a car magnet or a colored ribbon or some sort of symbol because we love symbols. And they've got a poppy, which is a type of flower, and you've probably noticed it if you've like, if you watched, you know, any type of sports broadcasting originating from Canada, or not even originating from Canada, but just covering hockey in general, you'll see even American people wearing the poppy. It's a red flower with like a black center. Fine, again, whatever. Point is, I guess, uh, Cherry was ranting against, you know, some people not wearing it and how they need to get behind this and, you know, they're not showing enough Canadian unity. And he used the phrase, you people. And again, some people didn't think it was a big deal, others did. The point is, though, if you want to talk about triggered and snowflake and all that stuff, who is the one, who are the ones really being politically correct when you think about it? Because I can tell you this. Fallen soldiers themselves, of course they're important. Curing cancer, of course it's important. Any other number of causes, they're all very important. But who does or does not wear a poppy on their lapel? Or who does or does not wear a yellow ribbon or whatever color, a pink ribbon for breast cancer? Who does kneel or stand or whatever the hell else for an anthem, okay? Those things are completely and utterly meaningless. So if you get so wrapped up and so upset and so triggered by somebody not doing some completely empty symbolic gesture, okay? And yeah, I'm not saying that fallen soldiers are meaningless. I'm not saying that curing cancer is meaningless or anything like that. But the symbols we attach to them are meaningless. They're just symbols. They don't matter, okay? It doesn't If you put, a, you know, and I support the troop sticker on your car, one of those car magnets, and that's great. Go for it. Or if you don't, you don't actually, like, get any extra credit just because you put a magnet on your car. Like, if you volunteer your time or donate to causes, you know, involving the troops, then that's great. But just wearing a damn ribbon or anything like that, does not matter that much. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing those things. I'm just saying there's some people who get really, really upset when other people don't wear the ribbon or don't, you know, even my kid, he was at school the other day and he had, they had the Pledge of Allegiance and he didn't have his hand on his heart. He had his hands folded. It wasn't like he was like doing anything disrespectful. And some little girl like who, who's, you know, probably a future one of these type of people starts ranting at him because he didn't show enough respect and he, he's like, Dad, yeah, what's up with that? And I was like, oh, well, you know, some people think you have to put your hand on your heart for these things. You don't have to do that. I said, if you just, you know, don't be disruptive, don't make noise. But 
if you're standing up and just being quiet, you're fine. You know, don't let other people push you around and tell you what you have to wear or don't wear or that you have to honor this or that. If they get that upset that you're not doing it, they're the ones who are snowflakes. They're the ones who are triggered. And again, there's nothing wrong with wearing them. But it's almost like they're saying, oh my God, I can't believe how triggered people are. And they're upset at Don Cherry. Meanwhile, they're freaking out because somebody didn't wear a poppy on their shirt as if that would matter at all. Like, remember Seinfeld? Do you remember this? If anybody who watched Seinfeld, do you remember the Seinfeld where Kramer is in the AIDS walk? Like, he's actually doing the AIDS walk. And he's, um, like, walking, and they're all walking with him, and he goes to check in. They're like, here's your ribbon. And he's like, no, I'm good. And the lady's like, what do you mean? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I, I don't need the red ribbon. And she's like, well, you have to wear the ribbon. Everybody must wear the ribbon. And he goes, yeah, see, that's why I don't want to wear the ribbon. And then later on on the walk, someone's next to him. They're like, hey, where's your ribbon? And he's like, yeah, I don't wear the ribbon. And he's like, well, what, you don't want to support AIDS or AIDS awareness? And Kramer's like, well, I'm doing the walk, right? And then Cedric and Bob, those two guys that used to always bully Kramer and torment him, end up getting in a big fight with him. Anyway, the point is, it is a lot like that. Like some people get really wrapped up in symbols, even though symbols themselves... You know, I do it, too, in a different way. I, I do it with sports uniforms. I mean, you might be thinking, hey, what a hypocrite. If you've heard my show before and you've heard me go on, like, a segment-long rant because the Lightning changed their primary color from black to blue, which I've done before. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I get it to an extent, and that's not even a, a symbol of anything, like, important as far as, uh, you know, any number of these causes that we just mentioned. But the point is, like, people get really wrapped up in symbols where sometimes I think they lose sight of the actual things the symbol stands for. And I got no problem with anybody wearing a poppy. I got no problem with anybody wearing, uh, you know, any type of ribbon or putting to support the troops or not putting. But that's the point. You're not better than somebody else. You don't want it more. You're not, you know, you don't have more credibility on an issue because you put a poppy on or you put on a, a magnet on your car or something. They're just sim. Now, if you go out and do other things and really get your hands dirty, then my hat really is off to you. Absolutely. But, you know, with this whole Don Cherry thing, whatever you think of what he said and whatever you think, I don't care whether he's fired or not. I'm not, I, I'm not like, I, invested in whether or not he got to keep his job. That's not what this is about. But just from now on, and this goes for me too, I'm not trying to lecture anybody, let's try and think about the actual things that matter instead of just the token stuff that looks good in the newspaper or looks good to your buddies on Facebook or whatever else, you know, because it's not really about whether you put a ribbon on. It's not really about where you put your hands or whether you stand or sit for the anthem. It's not about any of those things. It's about how you actually live your life and, and things like that. And that can go both ways whether you wear all these symbols or not. That's me on my soapbox, which I'm not going to be very often on this show for non-hockey-related things, but I did feel like I wanted to say something about that today. I want to thank all of you for listening I want to thank Steve Versnick for putting us on the air. Like I said, Lightning Rangers tonight. It is at 7 p.m. at Amelie Arena. Should be a lot of fun, and it's going to be great to have the team back home where they'll be again tonight and Saturday at 4 p.m. when they take on the Winnipeg Jets. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, that is Victory Stripes for week seven of the season, which I think is 28 weeks or something like that to count. Like, you know, A lot of times it's so long you don't even bother keeping track. We're going to keep track, so I'll try and get the numbers exactly right next week but we'll be back next thursday in the meantime enjoy the games this weekend and wherever you are good morning good afternoon good night and let's go lightning <laughs>